No one ever knew the struggles he had to go through. A hero without a cape. Yeah, she's gonna still be great. Cause she's a fighter, a true survivor. Yeah, she's a fighter. She's gonna still be great. My survivor voice. Hey y'all, thanks for joining us for another episode of My Survivor Voice, the podcast where voice stands for voices of independence, closure, and empowerment. I'm Danny, the founder and president of Arthur Memorial Foundation Incorporated, which is also the sponsor of this podcast. I'm super excited about my guest today, you guys, because she and I, I feel like she's a woman after my own heart. Um, she believes in survivors so much as well. And not only just believing in survivors, she loves to see survivors thrive. And she's a survivor herself, of course. So um, I am going to introduce you guys, Leanne from Watch Us Thrive Podcast. I'm going to let her tell us a little bit about herself and we'll go from there. Leanne, welcome. Thank you so much for being here, for having me here. I'm so excited. to. You got your podcaster hat on. Yes. <laughs> I'm always used to me being the one interviewing. So to be on the other side, it's like, girl, just relax and let them do what they got to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for being willing to share. You know, yes. your story is um, about a topic that's near and dear to my heart. So I can't wait for you to share. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your platform, what you do, and yes. then kind of segue into your story and how you came into Watch Us Thrive. Yes, absolutely. Well, hi, everyone who's meeting me for the first time. My name is Leanne. I am the creator and host of the Watch Us Thrive podcast. It is my baby. It was born out of probably the scariest thing that I've ever gone through in my life. I am a survivor and advocate for domestic violence, and me starting my podcast really was me sharing my story, my truth for the first time. Um, it happened a little over two years ago. I met my ex-partner in the right in the beginning of when the shutdown was happening with COVID. So April of 2020, I thought I met someone who was going to be my forever, and it was great until it wasn't. And I really want to let people know that, you know, when it comes to domestic violence and abusive relationships, I think a lot of people in society think of just a one type of relationship where he's beating the shit out of you. Am I allowed to curse? Is that okay? Uh, of course. Okay. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> okay, no problem. Um, yeah. So a lot of people think that it's just like this person putting their hands on you and, you know, leaving you in the hospital with like a broken rib or, you know, all of these crazy physical things. And while that, yes, can happen, a lot of the times these relationships start off with emotional abuse, with verbal abuse, with a lot of lying, a lot of manipulation and being very calculated in the type of person that they are and that's really who my ex-boyfriend was it was you know like I said I thought it was my forever I thought it was someone that I was going to spend my life with but now being on the other side of my journey and really doing a lot of work to heal from it I realized that I did not know this person at all the the relationship really progressed very quickly probably like a month after we met he moved in and 
you know, like I said, it was during COVID. So we were just stuck around one another. And there's only for so long that you can really put on this act of being someone who you're really not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as the relationship progressed, even though it was a very short lived relationship, we were only together for 10 months. It felt like forever, but it was only a matter of time when the real person behind who was he was pretending to be started to come forward. And, yeah. you know, it was just, <sighs> I think about it and it's just like, I really can't believe I went through what I went through with this person. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, because of that situation and because I was able to come out of it, which a lot of people unfortunately are not able to, I'm grateful to have learned from that experience and to completely change the person that I was back then to who I am now. But, you know, it's not been easy to say the least, you know, this healing journey. It's very cliche that they say it's not linear and there's a lot of ebbs and flows and things like that, but it's true. And, yeah. you know, I've really, I've really changed a lot because of this situation. So for that, I'm grateful. Absolutely. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that. And I want to kind of stick on um, or spend a little more time on something you said about the beginning of the relationship, mm -hmm. about how it was good until it wasn't. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important for people to understand the signs. And I think that's what happens in a lot of abuse relationships is that they don't realize it's abuse until it's physical abuse. Yep, exactly. Um, like the love bombing and the, like you said, it moved really quickly and he had moved in, you know, within a month. A lot of people see like this man loves me and he he's all about me and they don't see the controlling side of that. Yep. So can you share with us like a couple of just maybe one or two um, instances that now looking back, you're like, that should have been my red flag. Or, yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. There were so many red flags that looking back now, it's like, Leanne, what the fuck were you thinking? Yeah. You know, but it, it's a learning experience. Um, So I would say the first major red flag, me and him were like so opposite. And when I say that, he came from a very hard life. He came from, you know, the shit that you see on TV, like gangs and drugs and, you know, just abuse and all of that. And my upbringing was completely different. You know, my parents, they've been together, high school sweethearts, just celebrated 40 plus years, never saw abuse, never was in that type of environment. And there really wasn't anything that me and him could connect on besides sex. And I think that's something that I was so attached to. I was, you know, people say that you were like digmatized. Literally, that was me. You know what that's I mean? And yeah. it's a real thing. And it's something that a lot of people experience in these relationships, not just like physical abuse, but just like toxicity. And I was very codependent. I was very the type of person who hated being alone. And whatever kind of affection and attention I was going to get from anyone I was going to hold on to that for dear life because I could not stand the thought of me being alone. So I think that was one red flag, like not wanting to be away from this person, like just complete like infatuation, but very unhealthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was, of course, there was lying and cheating. He cheated probably the entire relationship. And anytime I did speak up, that's when the abuse happened. 
Like, who the fuck are you to go through my phone and invade my privacy? Who are you to call me out on my things? And then because of that, now you're the problem, not me. Right. You know what I mean? That's something that I experienced too. That there gas was lighting. that gaslighting. It's real. And you know, these trends, these, tr these words are very trendy nowadays, like gaslighter or, you mm -hmm. know, love bombing and all these things, but it's a real thing yeah. that I had no idea about until after I got out and I started doing research and I was like, Oh my God, this is literally my life. That's this was the was relationship that I was in. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, the trending, um, wording I can't yes. think of another word but yeah the trending wording I like it and I hate it I have a love-hate relationship with yes. it as an advocate and the reason being is it's real all of these things are real things yep. but because they are trendy people use them so flippantly that it yes. takes the value away from it like like everyone is a narcissist, narcissist. yes, yes. <laughs> everyone's a narcissist like no yes like no, that's a real disorder. That's yes. a real thing. You got to be careful with that. He may be an asshole, but right. he, may, he probably isn't a narcissist. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yes, I'm you glad you pointed that out as yes. well. Absolutely. So moving forward, you the in, relationship ended. Did you end the relationship or was there one big incident that ended hmm. the relationship? It was a huge incident. I actually go into a lot more detail on my podcast episode 10, if mm -hmm. anyone wants to listen, because if I say it now, we're going to be here forever. Yeah. Um, but I'll give it to you so you can link it in the show notes if you want to hear Perfect. the full like beginning to end of how we met and what happened. But yeah, the huge incident for me was the night of March 12th, 2021. I was living in my apartment with him in Florida. And towards the end of the relationship, there was drug abuse happening and alcohol abuse that I didn't know he had a drug problem. He was doing, you know, like Percocets and Xanax, like he was popping pills. And he turned into like a completely different person when he was abusive and I don't want to say that's an excuse but it's the truth like he completely like if you think of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde it was like a complete switch when he was under the influence and that night he was high all day I remember I went to my girlfriend's apartment that day because I had plans with him but because he was high he didn't go with me and I ended up going to her apartment and I was telling her I'm going to break up with this person because I'm not happy. No one knew that the relationship was physically abusive, but my whole demeanor and who Leanne was completely changed. And I told her that was the first time that I really told someone that I wasn't happy with that relationship. And, you know, hours later, I went back home and I told him, I was like, listen, I'm not happy. I don't, I don't, I know you're not happy either. This needs to end. And a lot of things happened in, in between. It did get the most physically abusive that I've ever experienced. It was, you know, the night that I thought my life was going to end. That's how bad it was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after a few hours, something, whether it was God, whether it was that female intuition, I don't know what it was, but something told me. Leanne, if you don't get out of this apartment right now in this moment, because he had threatened to strangle me again after doing that multiple times with a iPhone charging cord, I'll never forget. He wrapped it around his knuckles and he said to me, 
because he was accusing me of cheating on him after he admitted to me that he was cheating on me with seven different women in the span of four months. Wow. And then, of course, you know, they gaslight and they flip it around. And he was like, show me your phone. Who the fuck have you been talking to on Instagram? All this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then in the midst of us fighting and, you know, just all around the apartment, I had lost my phone and I couldn't find it because I was like, let me prove to you being the woman that I was back then, like, let me do something to show you that I'm not doing the things that you're saying that you're doing to me. But I couldn't find my phone. And in that moment, he said, you know, it doesn't matter what you say or show me in your phone, you're not going to make it out of this apartment alive. And in that moment, I was like, okay, I have to do something. So I grabbed my car keys, I grabbed his set of car keys, I was half naked, wearing a robe, no shoes, no purse, no phone, just a shirt and my robe. That's it. And I ran out of my apartment. And I'll never forget. I will. N it's crazy to me when I think about it. Earlier that day, before everything happened, my car was completely dead for whatever reason. It would not turn on. When I escaped that apartment and I went to go turn on my car, it was like a brand new car. Like there was nothing wow. wrong with it. And when I put the car in reverse and I looked over my shoulder, he was literally like right here outside of the glass. And if I didn't lock my door, that's like something that I'm very used to doing, even more so now. But anytime I get in the car, I lock it immediately. If I wouldn't have done that, I probably wouldn't be sitting here. I probably wouldn't be sitting here. And that that's really the moment when... I went to my best friend's apartment, the same one that I was with earlier that day. It was like one o'clock in the morning. I'm banging on her door. I look insane because of everything that I went through. And she was like, what the fuck happened? And that's when I told her, I'm like, he's going to kill me. And it's because of her that I called 911 and he did end up getting arrested. And he is in prison for what he did to me. Awesome. So, but yeah, it was a big explosive yeah. thing that made me really wake up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. I know that's not always easy for survivors to relive. Um, wow. Well, kudos to you for having that fight in you. Yes. And big ups. I don't know where you are in yes. your face, but big ups to the man upstairs. To God, for, yes. Absolutely. For looking out. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Oh, okay. Um, so thank you for sharing that. He's, I don't even have to go into that. He is where he's supposed to be. Absolutely. Um, and thank you for getting out. Just, yes. I just want to keep saying that. Thank you for getting out. Um, so I know that, you know, once people that you knew and knew him heard about this, they probably had lots to say and some probably were encouraging and others probably kind of doubtful. Um, because that's the nature of, of humans. And um, if you could say anything as far as awareness to those people, like those people who may not really have known what was going on or may have had some altering opinions, um, what would that be? Yeah, I'm grateful that I had a very positive experience in my support circle when it came to believing me, awesome. you know, um, but I know a lot of survivors don't have that. There is a lot of people that are like, oh, what did you do? You mm -hmm. know, what what mm -hmm. what did you what caused you to make him or her because women can be abusive yes. too, you know, do that. And my whole narrative would be 
for you to stop victim blaming, stop putting it on the person who's experiencing the abuse, because it's not something that we really see. Like we don't plan out for a relationship to become toxic and abusive. And it's not easy for us to walk away. It's not. It's not. We know the statistics when it comes to the victim or the survivor, however you want to call it, like when they do decide to leave, that is the most dangerous time for them because that's when the perpetuator of abuse is like, oh shit, I'm really losing control. Now I got to step it up even more Yes. to the point that I could probably kill her. Yes. You know what I mean? And we see the the news headlines all the time. It, there's so many. It's crazy to me. Just this morning, there was someone in Jersey City. I think she went on a date with someone and she never came home. Oh, my goodness. You know what I mean? So, it's like, we see and hear about this all the time, but we don't want to really do anything until it's too late. Mm-hmm. And then what's the point, you know? So, I think what we need to do is stop putting it on the person who's experiencing it and asking that person, why do you think it's okay for you to put your hands on someone? Yes. Why do you think it's okay for you to disrespect someone? Like clearly there's some hurt in you that you got to work on. So let me give you some resources to help you. Absolutely. Let's start the conversation. Let's see where's this pain coming from. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's very cliche, but hurt people do hurt people. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I say you're a woman after my own heart, because that is where I am in my journey as far as my nonprofit is we've been helping survivors for the last three years, yet the headlines are still reading the same. I feel like we are not making an impact against domestic violence. Like, yes, we're helping survivors get out, but we want the abuse to stop. So we are actually working on um, putting together a program where we are going to kind of transition into being perpetrator focused. Mm. Um, Because like you said, hurt people hurt people. And there's something there that is causing you to feel like this is your only way to keep this person with you. Yep. Or there's something there that even tells you that you have to control this person or this person is your property. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I know a lot of people don't see that side of it. They're just like, oh, these women just need to or these survivors just need to get away and they need to get out. And um, but it's not always that easy. You know, no. on average, it takes a survivor seven times to even actually leave for good. And yep. I know a lot of um programs like mine they get frustrated when they see repeat clients I've had repeat clients in just three short years Mm -hmm. you know we get them out we set them up and then they go back because that's where their comfortable spot is for one reason sometimes financially it just makes sense to go back because it's all the resources that they really truly need are not there and they've been financially abused and made to depend on them so um if you have kids too if you got if you're married it's it's so deeper than just just leave yes absolutely I love that you said that is so much deeper than just leave yes because that's what survivors get told all the time I would just leave well why don't you just leave it's not that simple no if you don't have a support system like where the hell are you supposed to go you know what I mean like I'm grateful that I had my sister she booked me a ticket back home here now that I'm in New Jersey if I didn't have her I probably would still be in Florida 
Like, yeah. you know, I was working this really shitty job. I actually got fired from that job and my unemployment almost ran out too. I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do? And I'm just grateful that I had these people who were willing to take me in. But a lot of these survivors, they don't. They are isolated from the people that are really there for them or they don't even know what's happening you know sometimes you move across the country and all your family's back home you're like three thousand miles away where the fuck am i supposed to go if i have no one absolutely absolutely we see it all the time all the time i can't tell you how many i think christ well outside of id replacement crisis transportation would probably be our biggest service that we provide because abusers get the survivor or at that time the victim to move away from family they isolate yep. them and then they're in this foreign city in of mississippi of all places to be <laughs> they're in this foreign city and they're like i just need to get back home to california or mm -hmm. i need to get back home to illinois they're just trying to get back home to family and yep. you know so yep. yeah it's, it's crazy it's crazy um let's talk a little bit about myths or things that maybe you didn't realize or didn't know um about domestic violence or intimate partner abuse then versus now or things that just general public may think and it's like no that yeah. I know we just talked about one it's not easy to just leave mm -hmm. <laughs> that's number one yeah you know for me I was very naive and I was very ignorant. I didn't even know there was an actual term for this type of relationship. Like I said before, my parents, they've been together. You know, I never saw abuse in my home, never saw that in my social circle. So I never really knew that there was like an actual term for this type of relationship. And another thing that I think a lot of people in society who have not experience domestic violence or intimate partner violence is that like it only happens to a certain demographic like if you grow up in the hood mm -hmm. if you grow up you know poverty level like of course that's going to happen to you right but no you know like I'm middle class I never was in poverty you know but I'm not rich or anything like that but this happens so common to so many it doesn't matter what you have in your bank account it doesn't matter your religion it doesn't matter your age it doesn't matter your gender because this happens to same-sex relationships too like yes. literally it happens to anybody one in yes. three women will be a victim of domestic violence in their lifetime so if you think about it there's two people right here one who's ex who has experienced it and you have experience of being you know the family of people who have dealt with that situation so like you know it's something that happens so much more often than we even realize and I think that's a definite myth that we need to debunk like you know just because you grow up in the suburbs that's not going to happen to you it can and I'm sure it absolutely does you know whether uh, you're yeah. in suburbia or whether you're you know um, in the hood wherever the fuck that you are it's absolutely. happening everywhere absolutely and I mean the headlines tell us that how many well to do I mean those are the stories that make the well mm -hmm. now yes everybody's making the headlines right. but it used to be that those were the stories that made the headlines the millionaire who killed his wife and children yep. or yep. you know so yeah that should be a clear indicator but like you said everybody doesn't even see that yeah. um one for me is that um it's it's a private matter or what goes on in that intimate relationship stays between that man and that woman or those two adults 100% no <laughs> absolutely not 
Um, you know, survivors cannot get out alone. Let's, mm -hmm. I just want people to understand that it, it cannot be a private matter. People mm -hmm. have to know because survivors need that support. Yeah. Um, expecting a survivor to get out on their own, it, you're setting them up for failure. Yep. You're setting them up for failure. So Absolutely. That's one for me that always like hits on. I'm like, mm, yeah. not so much. And then yeah. of course the one, uh, oh, it's easy. All you got to do is just leave. Not so much. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much. And another one that that comes to mind is that a lot of people that think that these types of relationships is only abusive in the physical form. Yes. You know, yes. like I think uh, for me before being in this type of relationship that I was like when I thought of abuse, I thought of like, you know, you're getting punched, you're getting mm -hmm. slapped, you're getting choked, like something that you can actually see happening. But a lot of these relationships, like I said before, they start off very calculated and very like emotionally abusive, verbal abuse, yeah. financial abuse is something I never yeah, heard of. And it's, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Like 99% yeah. of DV victims experience financial abuse. Absolutely. Like what, Absolutely. what the hell is that? You know, yeah. so that there's so many different forms of abuse and, you know, it, it makes me think about my sister. She's gone public with this information, so I'm comfortable sharing it, but she was in an abusive marriage. He never put his hands on her mm -hmm. ever, but the emotional cheating the emotional you know talking down on you making you feel like shit about yourself like that really takes a toll on someone and that is just as serious Absolutely. as someone putting their hands on you yep anytime you're doing a behavior I don't care what the behavior is when you're doing a behavior that is strictly to control your partner yep. that is intimate partner abuse we are not put on this earth for our partners to to control us Yep. That's just not what that is. So I'm glad you said that because a lot of people don't realize that, like you said, financial abuse, the emotional abuse, verbal abuse, um, even technological abuse is another hmm. one people don't even realize. Like yep. your mate feeling like he has to have it or she has to have, um, because I do see this more in female perpetrators mm -hmm. than male perpetrators, has to have every password to every account you have, every social media. They're monitoring who likes your pictures. They're I need your location. Yeah, like, that is abuse because they're yes. trying to control what you're doing. Yep. Um, so I need people to just um, understand that. Just it, so it's many layers. Okay. Yeah. It's so many layers to yeah. instrument parts. So many. Okay. So let's talk about life as a survivor. Now a thriver. I'm going to call yes. you a thriver because you are doing <laughs> amazing, amazing, amazing. So tell us a little bit what that transition looked like and yeah. what you're up to, what's going on what keeps yes. you going. Yes, absolutely. So the first thing for me was speaking up and telling someone. So like I said, that night I told my best friend for the first time that I was in an abusive relationship. And when I came back home, that was really the start of my healing journey. When I surrounded myself around people who really loved me and really cared about me. And shout out to my mom. Like I said, I lost my job and my unemployment ran out. So I had no money. I was a broke bitch, right? <laughs> <laughs> and because of her connections and people that she knew, she was able to get me a therapist who I had no insurance, but out of the kindness of his heart, he was like, I'm going to help you because I know you need it. So shout out to Dr. Lambert. Anytime I'm able to shout him out, I, I give him his flowers because Absolutely. he really, really helped me heal from that pain and that trauma. And I knew that I couldn't do it alone. 
you know, after experiencing something very traumatic and heavy and violent, like I just knew I have to speak up and I have to ask for help and that's okay. So I worked with a therapist. I hired two life coaches and I started my podcast. Now that wasn't immediate. I want to say maybe like nine months, 10 months later is when I finally found the strength within me to be like, okay, I've done a lot of work. I've done a lot of healing, but I have to do more. Like, I feel like I'm I'm ready to talk about it. And I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to share my story. I'm going to talk about my life experiences, this relationship, other relationships that I've been in. And that's how my podcast, Watches Thrive, was born. And it was really, you know, a form of therapy for me in regards to taking my power back that was lost when I was in that relationship and using my voice that I wasn't able to use before and you know since then it's really grown into this beautiful place where I feature a plethora of guests you're gonna be one of them I'm so excited that yes that you know we just come on and we talk about the things that we've gone through and how we've been able to turn our pain into our power and I really feel like it's important for me to create a safe place for people to really speak their truth because I feel like us as a society like we're looking for that and we're looking for people who look like us and talk like us who have gone through experiences but have not allowed those experiences to really shape their lives and like to continue be a victim of the circumstances that we've been in and that's really my whole purpose and it's really been so healing for me and I don't think I realized how healing it was going to be for me when I started speaking up and I started finding my people online and other survivors and things like that it's like wow, I really wasn't alone in all these feelings that I was feeling. (laughs) Like (laughs) other people feel this. They get it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Same. Same. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been a beautiful experience. Um, I don't want to paint this picture though, that like it's been rainbows and butterflies the whole time because there's been a lot of tears. There's been a lot of sadness. There's been You know, I was diagnosed with PTSD and that's something that I still experience, not as often now, um, but you know, it's been an emotional roller coaster, but I've really learned about who Leanne was Mm -hmm. back then. And I've been able to heal a lot of the hurt that I had within me that I feel like was the reason why I was attracting this type of partner in my life. And now I'm really at a point that I'm just so comfortable with me on my own. And I know what it really feels like to be happy and whole with Leanne. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That is so beautiful. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love when people find that there is thriving after surviving. I love that. It makes me feel so warm and fuzzy on the inside. So Watch Watch Us Thrive is doing amazing, of course. Outside of your podcast, any other things we need to be on the lookout for? Yeah, well, I did start um, coaching as a personal development coach. And my target audience is really the Leanne from like two years ago. The girl Mm -hmm. who, you know, is out of this toxic relationship, but really has no idea what to do and how to really heal and 
how to mend that relationship with herself. So I started that. I offer one-on-one coaching for people who are looking for a little more support on, on their journey to thriving and healing. And yeah, my podcast just keep tuning in every week. Absolutely. (laughs) And I love that. I love that you said that you, your target audience are people like you because you, you've done that. You've lived that experience and you can help in that capacity. So often we see people, you know, life coaching or being coaches for things that they just read up on and they haven't experienced. (laughs) So I love that. Oh my goodness. Thanks so much, Leanne. I appreciate you for sharing. Of course, we'll be connecting more. Um, We got to figure out something on this advocacy side on how we can make an impact there. So um, any last words you want to say to the listeners? Yeah. I just want to say, If you feel like you resonated with this and you're questioning if you're in this type of relationship, I really want you to listen to that feeling, listen to that gut feeling, listen to that voice that's inside of you. Because when I was with this person, my body was telling me something that I deliberately chose to ignore until it was too late. So I really feel like if you are not happy and you feel like, this is not the relationship that you want to be in, like follow that gut instinct. You know what I mean? And know that you don't need to do it alone. Know that it is okay for you to speak up and ask for help. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to feel like, what am I going to do next? But, you know, there's so much more out there for you that's better. And the most important thing that you need to realize is that you're worth respect and love and genuine care and you have to feel that for yourself and you don't need to depend on another person to bring that into your life absolutely you are enough thank you so much for that Leanne that's a very important message and so with that we're gonna get on out of here I appreciate you so much for coming on thank you First and foremost, I just want to say thank you to Leanne for coming on, being transparent, sharing your story, and being so fucking awesome. Girl, I love you to pieces, and I cannot wait to see all the amazing things that are coming your way with Watch Us Thrive Podcast. I love you. And now, um, to everybody else. I just want to say thank you guys so much for rocking with me for the last three seasons. This has been an amazing journey. This podcast started out as a way for me to share my own story and started out kind of as a part of my healing journey after losing my niece and both of her children. Um, And I just wanted to give survivors a voice. And I feel like I've accomplished that. I've done what I set out to do. And with that being said, I wanted to let you guys know that this is the finale episode of My Survivor Voice. Trust me, you guys, I'm so grateful for each and every one of you who have listened over the years. Uh, This podcast has been 
very therapeutic for me. And I appreciate every single guest, every person I've connected with in the podcast community. And I just feel like I need to let you guys know I'm not really going anywhere. I'm into the podcast because my nonprofit is being catapulted into new heights and new directions. And it's my baby. And it's where I make the biggest impact. So it needs all of my time. So I feel like my survivor voice has run its course and I've done what I set out to do. And um, so I'm just ending the pod, but I'm still around. I'm not leaving my podcast family. I love y'all. I've made some amazing friends from Rest and Ashley over at She With Alchemy, Real Talk with Tim, uh, Pillow Talk with the T, Kiki Chanel through the looking glass, all of y'all. I love y'all to pieces. I ain't going nowhere. If y'all want me to come on as a guest, I am down. I'm just not going to be doing this anymore. Um, And who knows? I may do like impromptu pop-up episodes in the future, but they won't be survivor stories. Um, For those survivors who feel like, dang, I might have missed my chance to share my story. Trust me, you have not. There are amazing platforms out there. Um, Two of them being Watch Us Thrive Podcast, Leanne, who was just on this episode. And then also... Wanda at her story and her smile shares survivor stories as well. So please look them up on Instagram and feel free to reach out to them to get your chance to share your story and let your, your voice be heard. Um, so yeah, with that, y'all, I want to say thanks again for being a part of this journey. I hope that my survivor voice has helped you in some way, shape or form. And for the last time, you guys remember you can't heal what you won't reveal. So speak up. Let them hear your survivor voice.